book of Acts chapter 15, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this, after he has gathered out a people for his name, I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. And here you have the restoration of Israel, the setting up of David's throne. What for? Verse 17, that the rest of the Gentiles, all the rest of men that seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Here you have this in a few verses, the purpose of God for men, right from the crucifixion of Christ until the return of the Lord to set up his kingdom and rule the nations of the earth. And he's going to use Israel as his witnesses, as Isaiah 43 declares. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. study continues with prophecy concerning the church, the body of Christ. We are reminded that the church is not Israel, and Israel is not the church. This is brought out in Acts chapter 15, verses 14 through 18. In this lesson, Dr. Mitchell brings out the personal hope of the individual Christian, which is to be with Christ. This is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. He then goes on to present the hope of the church. And that is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven for his church. This is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And then we are exhorted from Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. We read that our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Let's join Dr. Mitchell as he explores the hope of each individual believer in Christ. You're listening to The Unchanging Word. Broadcast. We continue in our brief study of prophecy, and we are especially thinking of the fact that God's great desire for his own people is that they shall live in daily anticipation of seeing the Lord Jesus, whom having not seen, we love. In our preceding lessons, we've been discussing the fact that the Bible speaks of ages past. And you remember we had that in Ephesians chapter 3. The church was a mystery hidden in God, not known in ages past. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, we speak of this present evil age. And then in Ephesians 2, 7, it speaks of the ages to come. Just like you have in your Bible, you have the last days 
for Israel, the last days, for the church, the last days, for the nations. These are general statements concerning the last days. Now, may I again remind you that the church and Israel are not the same. The church is never Israel. Israel is never the church. The church is an entity from the resurrection and glorification of the Son of God until his return for his own. God is doing just one work in the world today. He's not dealing with nations. He is dealing with individuals. For example, we were reading a basic passage, which I think I'll take the time to read again, from the book of Acts chapter 15. You remember we have there the first uh, meeting of the leaders of the church, the first council at Jerusalem. And Peter has made some statements, as well as Paul and Barnabas. And then James, who is the brother of our Lord, he stood up and we read these words when he said, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon, that is Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. Now, Peter spoke of the fact that the gospel had gone to the Gentiles, of which we read in chapter 10 of the gospel, going to the house of Cornelius, the first Gentile saved. And again, may I say, between the act, from the book of Acts chapter 2 until you come to chapter 10, as far as we know, there were no Gentiles who had come to know the Savior. In chapter 2, you remember, you have Peter speaking, and 3,000 of Jews in Jerusalem accepted the Lord. They came, it's true, they came from different parts of the world for the feast, but they were there, and these were Jews. And Peter addressed them as men and brethren. In chapter 3, you have where Peter again speaks to the people in Jerusalem, and 5,000 were saved. And then you remember opposition came. We come to chapter 6, they chose Hellenistic Jews to be deacons. When you come to chapter 8, at chapter 8, after the stoning of Stephen, the gospel goes out to the Samaritans, and the Christians are scattered. Then Peter went down in chapter 10 to the house of Cornelius, and there for the first time we have the Gentiles brought to the Lord. I just suggest this in your study of the book of Acts. In chapter 2, we have Jews, and when you come to chapter 8, the doors open to the, Gen to the Samaritans. And then from Samaria, it went to the Gentiles in chapter 10. And by the time you get to chapter 13, Paul goes on his first missionary journey to reach the world for Christ. But what I'm after here are these verses, or these statements of James when he said, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this, after he has gathered out a people for his name, I will return, and I will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. And here you have the restoration of Israel, the setting up of David's throne. What for? Verse 17, that the rest of the Gentiles, all the rest of men that seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Here you have this in a few verses, the, the purpose of God for men. Right from the crucifixion of Christ, 
until the return of the Lord to set up his kingdom and rule the nations of the earth. And he's going to use Israel as his witnesses, as Isaiah 43 declares. And known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. So we have here uh, this question of what God is doing today. He's gathering out a people for his name made up of individual Jews and Gentiles. And let me again say the church is an entity. And today God is not dealing, and I'm emphasizing this, God is not dealing with nations today. If he were, we would have the judgments of God coming upon men. God is still dealing in grace to individuals, whatever he finds them. Any heart that will turn to him, he will receive and forgive every sin, justify them, and they become members of the body of Christ. As Corinthians 12, 13 says, they're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. I repeat it, this is a special company of people. It's not Old Testament saints. It's not millennial saints. It's made up of Christians, of people who are accept the Savior in this, in this age between the resurrection of Christ and the Lord coming for his own. Now, we were discussing this question that through the church, God was going to make known to all created intelligences his wonderful grace and his wonderful wisdom. I do not need to go back over this again except to point out the scriptures, and I may quote them to you in Ephesians 2, 7. In the ages to come, he's going to show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verses 10 to 11, that God is going to make known to all created intelligences his wisdom through what? Through the church of God. The church is to be the avenue, the channel, uh, through which God will display to the whole universe, not only to men on earth, but to the whole universe. He's going to display his wisdom through the church. I tell you, the church has a particular place in the purpose and program of God. He's going to display his grace. Should I say we're going to be on exhibition Revealing to all created intelligences, that means holy angels, principalities, powers, men, nations, hell, they're all going to see the manifestation of God's grace and God's wisdom through the church. It's the purpose of God for the church. Now, I'm going to raise up another question. What is the hope of believers today? Here I am, a Christian. You're a Christian. If you are, if you've accepted the Savior, you belong to the Lord. What is your personal hope? I know that the hope for the church is the coming of the Lord, but the hope for each individual believer is to be with the Lord now. Uh, you remember in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, where Paul says, Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Uh, he speaks of the fact that Christians are in one of two conditions. We are either at home with the Lord and absent from the body, or we're absent from the Lord and at home in the body. Now, you find this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, that amazing chapter which deals with an, uh, the relationship of the believer to the Lord and the hope of the individual believer is to be with the Lord now. Now, you find this in Philippians chapter 1 verses 22 to 24, where Paul says, 
I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. To live is wonderful, but to be with Christ is far better. You know, our lives today, oh, we have joy, we have blessing, we have certain periods of happiness, peace, and so on, but it's tarnished because of failure and weaknesses and frailties, disappointments in life, and so on. But you know what the psalmist says in the 16th Psalm, the last verse, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And one of the greatest joys that I have had, or shall I change the wording? I think the, the nearest one can get to the experience of the glory is to be with some of God's saints when they're ready to go home. When they ask you, please don't pray for me to stay down here. I want to go home. You know, it's a wonderful thing to have a home to which you can go, isn't it? By the way, do you have a home to which you can go? When you leave this world, where are you going to go? Where are you going? You know, one time, Dr. B.B. Sutcliffe, he was very, very ill and was in the hospital. And I had been over to see him a couple of three times. In fact, I went uh, three days straight to see him because he was a pretty sick man. And then the, the next day, after being there three times, I decided that I would not go until, until the next day. And he, the doctor called me up and asked me if I was going to see him. And I said, I'm going to see him tomorrow. I saw him yesterday. I'll see him tomorrow. He said, I think you better go today because he may not live the day out. So I just dropped what I was doing, went over to the hospital to see him. And he, he said to me, as he laid hold of my wrist, he said, you know, I'm, I feel pretty sick today. And I said, well, you don't look too good, but uh, I'm sure the Lord will take care of you. We just got discussing the things of Christ. And then his head dropped and his eyes closed, and I thought, well, now he's gone. He's gone to be with the Lord. And while I was standing there waiting Debating whether to call a nurse in or to call a doctor in, his body shook and he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, Is that you, Jack? And I said, Yes, yes. He said, My, oh, my, oh, my. He said, I'm so disappointed. I'm so disappointed. I expected to see the Lord and all I saw was you. And I said to him, Well, I would have been disappointed too. No, is this death? Ah, friend, death is a defeated foe. The great hope of the individual believer when they leave this scene is to go right into the very presence of the Lord. You don't fall asleep and are asleep in the tomb. The body sleeps. The believer goes to be with Christ, which is far better. I'm in a straight betwixt too, says Paul. I have a great desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. But when I think of you folk down here, he said, I think I'd better stay down here for a while. And so it is, friend, the daily expectation of the believer is to be with his Lord. The expectation of the hope is the coming of the Savior when our dead ones, our loved ones who love the Savior will be raised from the dead and when we together with them shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air to be forever with the Lord. So may I suggest there is hope for the believer, for the whole church of Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, now let me take up the hope for the church. That is his hope, the hope of the coming of the Lord for his own. 
I wonder sometimes, is it very real with you? You remember 1 Timothy 1, 1 says, Christ Jesus, our hope. And in, in Titus chapter 2, in verse 13, I read these words, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, or he gave himself for us that he might redeem us out of all iniquity and purify unto himself a people for his possession, zealous of good works, looking for that blessed hope, looking for that blessed hope. It's a blessed hope. You know, when you come down to such a passage as Romans 13, 11, when we realize that the apostles spoke of a salvation yet to be revealed. You remember that? A salvation yet to be revealed. In Romans 13, 11, where Paul says, it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. That knowing the times, it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Ah, how true that is. How true that is. In 1 Peter 1, 5, you remember in verse 4, Peter says, We have an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto his salvation, yet to be revealed in the last time. See, we have been saved, we are being saved, we are yet to be saved. And this salvation of which Paul speaks of in Romans and of which Peter speaks of in his epistle, the epistle of Peter is concerning the redemption of the body, the completion of our salvation. See, our bodies are not yet redeemed. We're still in frail, unredeemed bodies. In Ephesians 4.30, Paul could write, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed until the day of redemption. Well, I thought we were redeemed. Yes, we are redeemed from sin. We've been loosed from the penalty and the guilt of sin. We are being daily delivered from the power of sin. This is what you find in the book of Romans, chapter 6. The death of Christ has severed the relationship to sin as a master. And then we are to be delivered from the very presence of sin. We're going to be translated from this world to be with the Savior. And this is what it's talking about when the body, this body that's mortal shall put on immortality, and so on. So I read in Ephesians 4.30, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. And then you remember in the book of Romans chapter 8, where the apostle Paul speaks of the fact, in, for example, verse 18, when he said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. And he goes on down to the chapter, verses 24 and 25. The end of verse 23 speaks of the fact of the redemption of the body, for we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is no longer hope. For what a man seeth, why did he yet hope for it? But if we hope for that, we see not. Then we do with patience wait for it. You see, if I may be allowed to do this, we are saved by grace. That's the foundation of our salvation. We are, we are saved by faith. That is how we receive our salvation. And we're saved by hope. That's the completion 
of our salvation. Now, I did not say, are you hoping to be saved? I'm just saying we are saved by hope, and Christ Jesus is our hope. And just as sure as our Savior was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so sure are we that at the coming of the Savior for his own, this is not death, he's going to come the way he went. He's going to come for his own take every one of his people to himself. These bodies are going to be raised from the dead, transformed, and made like unto his own body of glory. It's the hope of the believer. It's the hope of the church. Now, you have it in John 17, 24, when our Lord said, you remember, Father, I will that all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory." My, what a day that's going to be. I know the 22nd verse of that 17th chapter of John says, The glory which thou hast given me, I have given them. But then when you come to verse 24, that's an entirely different thing. Here you have him in his moral glory. Father, I want something. Every one you've given to me. And by the way, when he makes that statement, every one who has accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, becomes the Father's gift to the Son. And Jesus said, Father, I would that every one you've given to me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And on the ground of the love of the Father for the Son, I am sure that that prayer of our Savior is going to be answered. Every believer, strong ones and the weak ones, the mature ones and the babes in Christ, the ones who've been very active for the Lord and those who haven't, if you've really come into right relationship with the Savior, that prayer is going to be answered for you. You're going to see Jesus Christ in his glory. Do you remember one day, and I quote from Exodus chapter 33, where Moses said to the Lord, show me your glory. And God said, listen, Moses, no man can see me in my glory and live. But Jesus said, Father, I want him to see me in my glory. My, what a prospect. What a hope God has given to us. He not only redeemed us from our sins, but he guaranteed we're going to see him. And when we see him, we're going to be just like him. We're going to see him in his glory. My friend, do you have a hope like that? Do you have a hope like that? that when you leave this world, you go right into the very presence of the Savior. My, what a prospect to see him face to face and then to have unbroken eternal fellowship with him through eternal glory. You mean, sir, I can have that? You sure can. If you mean business with God, God means business with you. And he is saying to you today, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. To as many as received him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. So you believe in him today. Have a real definite relationship with Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. The Lord bless you. We do want to thank you for your support for this ministry, both in prayer and contributions. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast has experienced a shortfall in giving, and we do not often express our need. We do trust the Lord to bring in the support as He wills. We do make this urgent appeal at this time. Would you be so kind as to ask the Lord in prayer how you can help? 
and we do want to thank you for your continued support. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.